Welcome to you, wherever you're at, whomever you're with. I'm so very glad that you are here with us for a few moments for this message. Well, we are in a series. In fact, we come to the end of our series today. We've called it God of Creation. And, uh, you know, it's an amazing uh, truth that the Apostle Paul puts in front of us and his most doctrinal, his most foundational, rock-solid a theological uh, letter and all the, all the New Testament, really almost the entire Bible, Paul uh, kind of lays the groundwork for how God has made himself known to us by pointing specifically at creation. Uh, here's what he says in uh, his opening chapter of his letter. Uh, what can be known about God is plain to them, plain to us, because God has made it plain. Well, how has God made himself known? How has he made it so clear? Well, Paul tells us, uh, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, and then he names those invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made. And, you know, uh, if we can just open up to that truth, uh, it's an amazing uh, way of knowing and experiencing God uh, through what he has made uh, Paul says uh, two incredible, wonderful aspects of God, his eternal power. God is absolutely capable. There's nothing uh, beyond uh, his ability, uh, which all of creation uh, speaks to us so eloquently about. And then coupled with that, uh, his divine nature, his uh, infinite goodness. He's absolutely powerful. He's all good. And uh, as we saw early in this series, uh, all of the the things that can be known about God through creation were most clearly expressed through uh, the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, he is, as the Bible declares, God with us. In him, the fullness of God was clearly on display. And so we see that Jesus is God of creation. We can look to Jesus and see the most complete and comprehensive revelation of God. And uh, here's what I'm encouraging uh, all of us uh, as we plotted through this series, myself included, is that uh, you would be a little more open to the revelation of God in creation, that we would uh, open ourselves up to this constant knowledge that is flooding into our senses, beyond our senses, flooding into our spirit and our soul, that God is eternally powerful and he is infinitely good. And uh, here's uh, the benefit of, of when we'll just lean into that truth is when we open up to the revelation of God and creation, it awakens something in us. It stirs our appetite to know God more. If you weren't with us last week, I'd encourage you, just read Psalm 19 with that uh, truth in mind that when we open up to how God has made his eternal power, his infinite goodness known through everything that he has made, it awakens in us a desire to know God more, to know his ways, to lean into his truth. Well, uh, today, as we bring this series to a conclusion, I, I want to say this. When we open up to the revelation of God in creation, it not only stirs in us a desire to know God more, it awakens in us a desire to know ourselves more. Uh, hear that again. Uh, when we uh, clue in, when we dial in to this constant revelation of God's power and goodness on display 
through what he has made, through what he has spoken to us, through the word of God made flesh, Jesus Christ, all of those things stir in us a desire to know ourselves more completely. You might say it like this, it awakens in us uh, this, uh, this yearning uh, to know the answer to this question, what was I made for? Uh, why was I created? What did this God who is eternally powerful and infinitely good have in mind when he formed <clears throat> and created me? Well, uh, you know, uh, in case you've been asleep, that's a big question in the world today. Uh, why was I made? Why do I exist? Uh, what am I about? What's my purpose? What gives me value and worth in, in life? And this summer, summer of 2023, uh, the top box office movie, in case you haven't seen it, I have not personally, is called Barbie. And uh, in that movie, uh, Barbie and Ken, as we all know from our childhood, uh, they were dolls. And uh, Barbie has an awakening that maybe there's something beyond this pretend world. And uh, she goes on this quest. Uh, she enters into the real world along with Ken hiding in the back. And uh, what they begin to experience is that life in the real world is tough, it's difficult, it's full of challenges, it's messy, uh, but uh, this question that we're entertaining uh, begins to open up uh, in Barbie's heart. Uh, what was I made for? Uh, why do I exist? What gives me value beyond being pretty and uh, you know, being something uh, people use for their own entertainment? Uh, and this, uh, this question, this quest, it kind of comes to a focal point through one of the movie's songs. It's uh, by an artist named Billie Eilish. And uh, the words to the song, as the song itself, kind of haunting, and they kind of stir in us this question, uh, what was I made for? Uh, here are some of the lyrics uh, from the song. Uh, Billie writes, I used to float, but now I just fall down. I used to know, but I'm not sure now. What was I made for? What was I made for? Taking a drive, I was an ideal. Looked so alive, turns out I'm not real. I was playing a game, was cover up. I was hollow on the inside. I was just something you paid for. And then the question, what was I made for? Uh, and I think I forgot how to be happy. Something I'm not, but something I can be. Uh, something I wait for, something I'm made for. And then again, the refrain, uh, what was I made for? Uh, you know, uh, those are important questions. And uh, I would say this, uh, how I answer those questions, how you answer that question, what was I made for, uh, has a lot to do with how you live, how you spend your time in this world, what you're about, you know, what you fill, uh, your hours, and your days, your weeks, your months, your years, your lifetime with. Uh, what was I made for? Why do I exist? What gives me value? What is my purpose uh, as I make my way through my 70, uh, perhaps plus or minus a few years? What is my purpose? What should I be about? What was I made for? You know, we've looked at the Psalms of David uh, throughout this series because uh, David seemed to have an incredible insight into the way that God reveals himself uh, through his creation, through his word, and through the crown of his creation, people, you and me. Uh, when God created the world, 
He said, it is good, it is good, it is good. But when God created humans, we're told, he said, it is very good. And uh, people made in the image of God, uh, David marveled at that. And he, he asked this question of himself uh, when he realized that, that, that he was intricately made by the God of all creation. Uh, here's the way David expressed some of these thoughts. Uh, Psalm 139, he says, God, you've searched me, Lord. You know me. Uh, I'm not a stranger to you. I'm not some foreigner. You, you get me. He says, you know when I sit down, when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You ever with someone who kind of knows what you're thinking? Well, David knew that about his creator, that God, the creator of everything, knew David's thoughts from afar. He says, you understand, you discern my going out. Am I lying down? You're familiar with all of my ways. That's a novel thought. Uh, and then he, he plumps a little deeper. Uh, before a word is even on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You know, before I let out one of those foul words, words spoken in anger, before I say something kind, before I say something manipulative, God knows it all, David says. You know that word before it even leaves my mouth. In fact, he says, you hem me in behind, and before you lay your hand upon me, what's he saying? You're with me in everything that I do. Such knowledge, it's too wonderful for me. I can hardly get a hold of it. It's uh, blowing circuits in my brain, too lofty for me to attain. He goes deeper. He says, where can I go and be away from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I'm on cloud nine, or if I'm going through the valley, the dark pit, you're there with me. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn and I set up, if I'm on vacation, if I'm fleeing off, you know, to some other exotic part of the world, David realizes wherever I go, there you're with me. Your hand will guide me and hold me fast. If I say to the darkness, the darkness will hide me. Well, then the light becomes as night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. Yeah, that's a good thing to remember. When you're laying in your bed in the wee hours of the morning, you can't sleep because of your troubled thoughts. Uh, God is there with you. David is realizing this revelation, and it's mind-blowing to him. He goes on. He gets deeper. He says, God uh, of creation, you created my inmost being. You knit me together. You don't need to do a DNA test to know what my tendencies are. You know every cell within my body. And he says, I praise you because I realize I am incredibly, fearfully, wonderfully made. I realize that your works in nature, your works in human nature are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, he's waxing loquacious now. He's getting poetic on us, marveling at the intimate detail in which the creator of everything designed and fabricated and put him together. He says, God, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book. Before one of them, 
it came to be. You might summarize what David is saying like this. You and I are not random mistakes. We, we are here with intentionality and design and the fabricator of everything put great and wonderful detail into, into action when he made and formed each of us. David goes on, kind of summarizing. He says, God, how precious to me are your thoughts how vast is the sum of them. If I were to try and count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. There's a lot of grains of sand in the world. And David's saying, your thoughts toward little old me outnumber all of those. Uh, this is uh, profound. This is mind-blowing. This is grand. Uh, this is the heart and the nature of God. Well, uh, you know, uh, as we saw in Psalm 19, after David marvels at the greatness of God and creation, he kind of does a clunky shift in topics and subjects, uh, but when you dig into it, you realize it's not as clunky as we might initially perceive. Well, after David marvels at the grandeur of God and his designing people like you and I, he's, he comes out with this burst of awareness he says, if only God would slay the wicked away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. And you go, what? Wait, what? What in the world? Uh, how did this beautiful psalm of God's intimate care and attention turn to this sort of statement? If only God would slay the wicked people away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. Well, a couple of things to keep in mind. Uh, one is... Uh, David wrote this psalm well before the coming of Jesus, uh, who taught us kind of a different way to respond to our enemies. In fact, Jesus said, love your enemies the way that God loves you, and uh, do good to them, and bless them. In fact, when you give, them, give a big feast, don't just have the good people over. Uh, pepper in a few of your enemies, and uh, treat them the way that God treats you. And as David goes on, uh, he talks a little bit more about how he wishes God would deal with those who hem him in, who harm him, who think bad thoughts about him. He's wishing that God, this wonderful creator of himself and all things, would kind of deal appropriately uh, with those who uh, want to harm him. And uh, you kind of summarize uh, David's reaction. He ends with a more positive thought. He says, God, search me. Uh, know what's going on in my heart. Uh, test me, uh, be aware of my anxious thoughts, these troubling, uh, co conflicting thoughts as I marvel about the goodness of God, and I'm all too aware of the, the badness of some of his uh, creatures. He says, and see if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in your way, which is much better, which is everlasting, which is a better pathway. Well, uh, here's how you can kind of summarize David's insight as he's marveling at the goodness, the eternal power, the divine goodness of God on display through people created in his image. You might say it like this. David realizes God did not create me to live in defeat. You hear that again? That's an important insight. God did not create people to live in defeat, to live in torment, to live being harassed. Uh, by their enemies. In fact, when God created humans, he said, be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion in the earth. And uh, uh, here's a couple of 
uh, kind of tying a bow on this series, the insights that uh, have been revealed through the God of creation, through what he has made, through what he has spoken, uh, through the image of his son, and finally, uh, through people like you and I are created in the image of God, and likewise, uh, give evidence, display, proclaim the eternal power of God, the infinite goodness of God. A couple of summary thoughts. When Jesus came, as the complete revelation of the heart of God. Uh, He did this. He affirmed the image of God in all people, be they good or bad, uh, be they, you know, rebellious to God or religious toward God. Uh, Jesus affirmed the image of God in all people, and because of that, uh, he, he extended value, significance to them, not because of anything they did, but because of how they were intricately created in the image of God who is eternally powerful and infinitely good. You could say it like this, the image of God in all people gives all people inherent value. You know, I hope you can embrace that truth. I hope you can live with that truth because it matters in how you live with yourself with those closest to you, how you interact with your neighbors, how you interact with people in your world, on the job, in your political situations. The image of God in all people gives all people inherent values. And uh, as I thought about seeing people uh, through the eyes of the image of God, valuing them because of how they're created, you know, some of the ways we devalue uh, people Uh, when we view them as functions in our lives. In other words, they only have a task they fulfill. As long as they fulfill that task, that function, they get my uh, fast food to me uh, fast and on time, Uh, well, then I I treat them nicely. Uh, But when they fail in their functions, they lose value in my eyes. Uh, You know, that's a a classic way of not only devaluing others, uh, but devaluing ourselves when we see people as interruptions, that we have busy, important, serious things we're about, and when people who don't fit into that paradigm come into our world, we devalue them when we see them as interruptions instead of humans that are made in the image of God. And uh, finally, this one is so relevant in our world today. We devalue people when we see them as symbols, you know, whether they be supremacists or liberals or conservatives. Uh, when we see people as representative of categories that we despise, we devalue them in our own eyes. Well, uh, what are people made for? (laughs) What was I made for? We come back to that uh, haunting and so important question, and uh, I contend, we contend, uh, that the Bible from cover to cover reveals that we were made for this. We were made to know God. We were made to know our creator, uh, to live in the awareness of his eternal power and uh, infinite goodness. And we said last week, Jesus marveled when people tried to do life without this awareness of the nature of God. Uh, The Bible teaches that uh, we were made to find freedom, that we would be free from the things that torment our souls, that fill our minds with anxious and troubling thoughts, We were meant to be free uh, from our shortcomings, free from our sin, free from the things that separate us from experiencing 
the God of all creation. We were made, the Bible teaches, to discover our purpose, that God has some good work in mind when he shaped you the way that you are. Even the, the bad experiences, we're told, when we're in Christ, God turns all those things for good, for his good purpose in us and through us. And we know uh, from looking at people, when they find that one small thing that they believe they were created to do, it fills their life with meaning and joy and purpose. And then finally, uh, the Bible teaches this truth. Uh, we were created, we were made to make a difference, to have some good impact on our world, uh, on the people in our lives. And uh, I contend, I believe with all my heart, that when we open up to those truths, uh, we open up to joy, and we open up to the God of all creation. Uh, Paul would write this wonderful truth uh, after the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. Paul encountered him, the living Christ, and it changed his life radically. And here's what he wrote to a group of his friends. If anyone is in Christ, they become a new creation. That intricate design, that attention to detail, that intimate knowledge of God, it becomes brand new the moment we say yes to the revelation of God through the person of Jesus Christ. Before I lead you in a prayer, uh, one passage that's near and dear to my heart expresses the heart of God through the prophet Isaiah. He talks about people who've wandered far away from God, who's lost, lost track of God's image in them. Uh, they've been detached uh, from their purpose uh, to know God and experience freedom. Perhaps they've become marred and scarred by the difficulties of life. God expresses his, his heart for those people, and it may be you're one of them. Here's what he says. Uh, Do not be afraid, for I'm with you, and I will bring your children, uh, people made in the image of God. I'll gather them from the east and the west, I will say to the north, give them up. And I will say to the south, let them go. Do not hold back. Bring my sons from afar. Bring my daughters from the ends of the earth. Here's God seeing a people who have drifted away from him as refugees, but more than refugees, as his children who've been lost, and now he's drawing them back. Everyone who is called by my name, and hear this, whom I created to know my goodness, to experience my fullness. I've created them for my glory, whom I have formed and I have made. What was I made for? Well, you were made to know God. You were made to find freedom. You were made to discover uh, his purpose for your life. You were made to make a difference in the world. Uh, would you share a prayer with me? Uh, God of creation. We marvel at your goodness. We marvel at your greatness. We marvel at your ability uh, revealed to us through everything that you have made. We marvel at your truth, uh, the clarity, uh, the purpose, uh, the hope that it brings uh, into our lives. We value, uh, Lord, the way that you've made yourself known to us. But most of all, uh, God, we look to Jesus Christ who is the absolute and complete revelation of God. We would just hear those words again. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. She is a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Father, I pray 
uh, that if any are hearing these words in their hearts, they're saying, I need to know Jesus like that. I need to become that new creation. I need to be uh, delivered from my sins. I need to be restored. I need to know God. I need to find the freedom that is in Christ. I need to discover my purpose. Uh, if that's your prayer, if that's your heart, uh, know that right now uh, you can step in to that new creation. Just say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Uh, make me a child of God. Restore the goodness of God in me. I choose this day as the day I begin my journey following you. I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.